The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. We are sponsored, as always, by John T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined by Sheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. It's been a while since we talked, guys, but... We try to at least keep this thing as topical as possible, even during the down season. Um, before we get to it, just want to remind everyone, I mentioned them already, but John T-Shirt and JohnnyTshirt.com. Make sure that if you need your Carolina gear, you head there. They're a local business. They're really great to support during these times. So um, make sure that you get anything that, that you could want Carolina-related from Johnny T-Shirt. Jumping into to the actual podcast, guys, a lot of this is going to be uh, touching on some, some subjects that Sherelle mentioned in last week's Weekly Scoop. For those that may not know, it is a feature that runs about every week on Inside Carolina on the Basketball Premium Message Board in which Sherelle, Greg, Ben, the whole crew um, really add in all of their accumulated tidbits on what is going on uh, with Carolina basketball geared mostly towards recruiting. So without getting a little bit too much into it, because I want to encourage everyone to actually go and read the full article, the highlight of the piece I felt was the kind of an introduction to Mr. Sky Clark, who is a combo guard from the class of 2022. Now, I mean, I know, Sean, you cover recruiting a lot more than, than the average fan. Sherelle, we'll get to you in a second. Me, I had not really heard of Sky Clark at all. Um, before this, but he is a very highly rated recruit actually in that class. So Sean, when you saw that Sky Clark was mentioned in the weekly scoop, uh, what was your initial reaction to that? Sure. Well, I know Sherelle had mentioned his name previously and there had been just, you know, his name had been thrown around on the message boards. I was a little surprised when it happened. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, it was, Interesting to see that a 2022 offer was going out rather than another 2021, yeah. uh, which makes him the third offered player in the class. Um, also a player outside of the state of North Carolina. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of regretful that I, I didn't take my opportunities this past season to go see Clark play because he was in the LA area um, since his move to Nashville. So he'll be playing at Brentwood Academy, but definitely had a very strong two years um, in the LA area. And as you mentioned, combo guard. So it seems to be kind of what they're, what they're focused on, at least initially of guys that can handle the ball. But for him, you know, he can really score. Uh, you know, good shooter, can attack the basket. Um, versatile. You know, so very, a very intriguing player. Ranked number 22 by 24-7 right now. Um, and once again, as Sherelle mentioned in his articles, uh, has some athletic bloodlines with his father playing, playing football. And I think for him, he's already, I believe, taken a visit to Kentucky. So some people have Kentucky as a leader. But at the same time, for UNC to really start those offers right now, I think is, is good. Because last year, I think Baldwin and uh, Banchero came right after the Peach Jam. So mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit later than right now. Yeah, so Sherelle, I mean, when you were kind of 
hearing that that Sky was going to be someone that the Tar Heels were going to be heavily recruiting in that class of 2022. Um, what was kind of the background information and just provide a little bit of a tidbit about his recruiting process for the UNC fans listening to the podcast here? Well, I have to be completely honest. Um, it's, you know, with everything that's going on, it's been very hard to uh, gather information. So a lot of what we do is uh, – to take from a head coach in the North Carolina area. It's about relationships. <clears throat> so it's about going to events and meeting parents and talking to parents and talking to coaches and kids and then following up with calls and texts. And, you know, it, it's, it's very much a lot of that. And when you lose that human touch, it's, it's a lot more difficult to really get information. Um, we got a little lucky with Clark in that we were able to talk to some people to be able to talk to him kind of immediately after the offer. And honestly, you know, we're still playing catch up with 2022. And I think um, the North Carolina staff is ahead on 2022. It's just that we don't have the normal, uh, cues and tells that we typically get from them um, at events and things like that about what they might do. So it's been a little more difficult <clears throat> to gather information. I say all that to say we didn't know really much anything about his North Carolina recruitment before uh, the offer. We knew that Roy Williams called him, you know, night one, which is a big deal in itself and shows that Carolina was serious. But it went from offer, it went from, you know, being able to call on June 15th to an offer within two and a half weeks. So I think that tells you um, just how much they like him. And, you know, some of this is in the scoop, so I don't want to share too much premium information, but I'll share this. He basically, uh, Roy Williams told Clark and his family that he hasn't watched him on film and we know he haven't, he hasn't seen him live. He said that he trusts his assistant coaches, you know, mainly Steve Robinson, um, who I think is the lead kind of recruiter with, with Clark in his evaluation. And they really like some of the work he's done as a person. And, and they, they really are just, kind of gravitate towards him not only as a person but also as a player so I think that's kind of where the recruitment is and it's funny because um, after talking to Clark and to his dad you know the night of the offer you know following up we've learned that he is a reclass candidate into 2021 and so North Carolina has three offers out in 2022 uh, Caleb Houston Jaden Bradley and now Sky Clark and two of those are known to be guys who could possibly reclassify into 2021. And so it goes to Sean's point that right now, you know, there's only one person in 2022 who we think is definitely going to stay there that has a UNC offer. And so you probably will see them be a little more aggressive in 2022 with offers moving forward. Well, that was going to be my next topic is speaking about the, the class of 2022. You mentioned Jane Bradley, who is the other combo guard. Uh, that is one of, the, of those three names that the Heels have actually offered. So I think it shows that the staff is really trying to, again, keep that pipeline of high-level combo guards, point guards going. But if, if Sky is able to potentially reclassify to 2021, that also fits with that class because we've seen the Heels really prioritize guards in for that re recruiting as well. So, I mean, Sean, how do you think Sky fits in with how Coach Williams and his staff are really trying to make these classes both in 2021 and 2022 just in case if Sky were to reclassify? Yeah, I mean, well, I think in terms of the class of 2021, the biggest need is that combo guard position. And, and once again, even if you get one, especially some of the guys that are recruiting, they could be one and done. So, I, you know, it's, it's obviously difficult trying to plan, you know, one class ahead, let alone two, and everything that can, that can happen uh, with the team development, the player development, especially not seeing them. So, you know, I think right now, obviously, with their offers have been focused on, on the guards. And then 
you know, guards and wings and seeing how, how those will, you know, potentially if there's a reclass or any other news. So, you know, for me, I think seeing what other guards come out of this and then at what point do they start moving toward big men? Because hmm. at that point, uh, you know, right now, really the class of 2021, there's not a real need for a big, even if for somebody were to leave, there could still be two, probably three, you know, three guys. So, uh, you know, but then once you get a year removed, now you start to open some things up. So I would expect them in 2022 start to move to, to the bigs at some point. And once again, without all the July live events coming up, it's going to be a little more difficult to see who those will be. But I think you can kind of tell by who they were calling early on in mid-June. And what do you think uh, about Sky's fit there, Rel? Like, I mean, how do you think that the the staff may be considering him as they go through and really make their priorities for the 2021 and 2022 classes? Uh, I think it's very similar to what they did in 2021 was kind of identify a few core guys at the beginning. Um, I think last year, Pat Baldwin was uh, one of them. Um, of course, I'm going to drop plays. Kennedy Chandler was another one of them. Um, kind of three or four guys who, who they say, Harrison Ingram is another one, who they say, this is our guy in this class. And then as time goes on, and depending on how they feel about those particular players, players, you'll see the pool expand. And it's just going to be a little difficult because once you start getting to 2022, you're not quite sure how great the high school film is. Like it's one thing to have high school film on a rising junior or, you know, someone – uh, who played on travel ball a lot last year. Um, but, you know, most of these 2022 kids were playing either 15s or 16s last summer, and no one's recording 15s or 16s really with any great depth or, or reliability. Uh, and then are, you, are, are people really recording sophomores in high school? And, and you know, the, the coaches have a great film of that. So I, I wonder about that aspect of it too, because it's like it's easy to say, hey, we, they just need to, you know, watch film and, and see if they like the guy, but is the film actually available? I think it's something that's going to start happening with the 2022 class if there's not any kind of live basketball here over the next couple of months. Yeah, good stuff, guys. Um, anything else to add to, to that, Sean? Or I mean, I, I, yeah, I think, one, you know, one thing in, in terms of watching the film and the level of competition, and, and that's the part of really just trying to see what you see, you know, see what you see on film and then have to project that uh, because that is such a difficult thing of, you watch a high school game and the guy, you know, the kids get into the rim and looks pretty athletic and then, you know, jump up to AAU and it's a lot more difficult. The kids are taller, longer, more athletic. Maybe now he's pulling up for jump shots. And then you go even to USA basketball and now maybe the kid's just, a, you know, a, a jump shooter because he can't even really do anything off the dribble against that top level of competition. So you know, it's, it's a lot. It'll be interesting to see, once again, we've talked about it before, but who's really studying the tape and who has a good opinion and good projections on these guys. And I, I just wanted to add, too, you talked about the fit, and I kind of kind of dodged it a little bit. But uh, I think he fits well, you know, from what I know of him. Again, we just haven't – we weren't able to – you know, I don't want to say too much because we weren't able to see him in April or June or July like we normally would have and, and kind of form an opinion over not just film but over – you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten live evaluations. And um, from what I know about him, what scouts say, what I've seen from him on film, it seems like um, he's a, you know, a kind of bigger bodied, um, you know, kind of combo guard. And I think Roy Williams likes that. Um, one, because, <clears throat> excuse me, he can really push tempo. He's got the size, like Sean said, to finish uh, in traffic. And he kind of, 
is able to finish in kind of weird angles that aren't always comfortable. And that is a skill that Kobe White kind of mastered. Like um, a lot of the stuff Kobe did at times was unorthodox. And I think um, unorthodox is very hard to prepare for because it, there's a lot of improvisation there. And I think Clark definitely has that going for him. And when we talked to him, we talked about <clears throat> how much he loves defense. And, you know, kind of the way to roll Williams is hard is, is rebounding and playing defense. And um, I, I think that is something that they like about him as well. So those couple of things added to um, the fact that he's a pretty good shooter in high school, I think, just led to the offer. And, you know, that's why they, they, they see him as someone who can really fit um, in the backcourt and the way they like to do things. It'll, it will be interesting to see, too, if he does reclassify. I mean, that's a potential entire year worth of, of evaluations that staffs, recruiting analysts are just not going to have. And, I mean, we have no clue what the next year is going to even hold. So the fact that he's thinking about reclassifying, I mean, that's, it's going to be quite a little bit just kind of on faith almost. But clearly, like Coach Williams said, he, he trusts his assistants. He liked what, what he's heard. Um, so Sky Clark is someone that, Toriel fans can keep an eye on and just remember the name over the next couple of recruiting cycles. So the other name that was mentioned in the scoop was Lucas Taylor, who is a class of 2021. He's a wing player. Cheryl mentioned that coach Williams wants guys that, that can shoot. And it sounds like Taylor fits that mold. Um, he seems like kind of a late bloomer. I know that he's only a three-star guy right now on the, on the two, four, seven, but I mean, Sherelle, is he, really just someone that at the staff is keeping an eye on because again, just in case they need to find someone that is just known as a solid three point outside shooter. Do you think that that's kind of the role that they envision for Taylor? I think that's part of it. Um, I, I think, you know, moving forward, if you look at the roster, um, the only person above, I guess, six, four, who is known to have, you know, marksman type shooting ability is going to be Puff Johnson moving forward. Um, I guess what well, you can count Walker Kessler in that as well. So two, but you know, he's, he's a, he's a post player. So it's a little bit different. Um, and I think what the pitch is, were they to really get serious with, with uh, Lucas would be, Hey, we, we need a six, 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 seven type guy who can come in and shoot and kind of do a lot of things. I think that's the pitch to Caleb Houston as well. Who's a 2022 player who might reclass to 2021. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're open. Uh, I think they really just want to see how good he is. They, they plan to watch him live. Um, if the tournament still happens, um, he's supposed to be in a tournament in Myrtle Beach uh, this coming weekend. So if it happens, there's a live stream. And, you know, they've told him that they're going to watch him. So I think they just want to see him live and, and see how he plays. He definitely was on the list of those who they would have watched in April. He plays for Garner Road, who also has DeMarco Dunn, who has a UNC offer at the moment. Um, so all that to say, I think he's someone they're intrigued by, but they want to see more from very similar to Angelo Brizzy, um, who we talked about on this podcast a few times. Um, but you know, Taylor for the things that North Carolina likes from their wings, he seems to be a good fit. Um, the people around him talk about him a lot. Um, and then from a off the court standpoint, he is the type of player that Roy Williams would probably gravitate towards. Um, very mature, um, kind of knows what he wants in life. Uh, his one of his coaches called him kind of an A to B guy, which is I'm going to do A to get to B and I'm going to do B to get to C. He doesn't really kind of dabble in anything else. So I, I think that kind of um, uh, one track mind when it comes to basketball is, is something that UNC likes. And I think that makes Taylor someone who they're interested in. So have you watched much film on, on uh, Taylor, Sean? Do you have any type of like uh, just a quick recruiting breakdown that you might be able to give on him? 
Yeah, I, I definitely haven't watched nearly as much as I would, would like to or, or hopefully will do if, if there's an offer. I mean, I think, as you guys both mentioned, the shooting is, is something that stands out right away. Uh, and, and Terrell mentioned the article was kind of the high arcing shot, but at the same time, he also shoots right from, a, right from his shoulder pretty, pretty low, which I could see, uh, you know, it's a pretty quick release, but in terms of it potentially, um, you know, having, having to make some adjustments to that to get it up a little higher, but, you know, his shooting ability and, you know, once again, his size and, and versatility look very intriguing. So I think as hopefully I can get to watch more film, both high school and AAU, as well as everybody else that's trying to see, is he a Wake Forest guy or is he a, a UNC type type talent? Uh, and there's right now there's a big, big difference between the two. Um, and if, if you're thinking he's a UNC talent, you have to be pretty sure on that because you don't want to, you don't want to miss as we've seen what's happened, you know, in the past with a few players. Sean with the dig at the Wake Forest basketball program kicking over and nothing the against Wake Forest. I just know they, they, they'd offered him early and, you know, there's a substantial uh, talent gap between the two programs right now. I was going to say, kicking them while they're down. Yeah, the, the Deacons are not having a great run of form here lately. Um, but let me follow, ask you a follow-up question, Sean, because, you know, Sherelle mentioned that Taylor does have kind of that, that size that UNC likes to have in their wings, that six 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 seven. I mean, right now, Carolina really, especially last season, didn't really have someone that fit that mold. I mean, you had – like Leaky Black, who has the height, but Leaky is really not that traditional wing. So in the Roy Williams-style offense and what we know that, that the Tar Heels are going to want, do you think that that is a position that they are really trying to fill where they can have that kind of more tough, athletic, defensive, maybe-minded, um, taller wing moving, uh, I guess, as a recruiting real target? I mean, I think similar to – you can never have enough point guards. You can never have enough wings that can shoot the ball, especially ones that can do stuff off the dribble. Um, you know, tomorrow for the premium, uh, the fit, Harrison Ingram will be coming out and we kind of touch on the fit of that position because, you know, right now you have two guys coming in with, with uh, Puff and Walton and both have, um, you know, both are coming in as shooters, but really how do they adapt to college and, and, you know, Will it be one year, two years, three years? How long will it take them to make, make a mark? So, you know, perhaps one of them comes in right now and makes an immediate mark, but I think you have to cover your bases by, you know, you can't put all your chips in, you know, on, on those two right now. So, and once again, you can always play, you know, two at the same time or even, you know, go small if you have to. So I think it's a definite need. I would still say the, the two guard or combo guard, no matter if it's a 21 or 22 classes, is a top need, but um, until something gets proven, there is a need there, but there are also players at that position. So it's kind of a, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how that works itself out. Yeah. Rel, do you think that that Taylor is, is a player that maybe brings something a little bit different compared to like Puff or some of the, of the other guys that the heels have been recruiting for the wing position or maybe, or are expecting to have on campus when that 2021 class does arrive? From what I know about him, I think he kind of fits very similarly similarly to Walton and to Puff. Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch him a ton, similar to Sean. 
Um, the first time we've ever talked to him was last weekend or this past weekend. And the first time we really would talk to any of his coaches or anything was this past week. So still kind of forming an opinion, but, you know, talking to those folks, he does seem kind of in that same slot as as those other guys, you know, not someone who would come in, you know, as a freshman and and take over. Uh, So, you know, I think UNC, um, to put it delicately, I I think they have guys who they know are going to be around for a couple of years. And now, for lack of a better term, they're going like star chasing with guys like Harrison Ingram and and Hunter Salas. And I I think um, having them, having depth like Puff and having depth like Kerwin allows them to do that. Now, whether or not they ultimately get that, I think, you know, at worst case, they'll have Puff and they'll have Kerwin to be able to shoot, to be able to do things, play the two, the three, the four to some degree. Um, So that versatility is important. I think Taylor definitely would be that, but he wouldn't be someone who would come in and and kind of, you know, move the ghost guys out of their roles or or out of their positions. A long way to get to a short answer. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. All right, Sean, anything else? Um, Any final thoughts on, on Taylor? Not, not on Taylor, but, you know, if, if this tournament does happen next week and there is a live stream, I think it'll be be good, a good chance just to, you know, watch, also, you know, Taylor, but also Dunn, who I think that'll be really important to see him at a, at a high level and how he adapts. And, you know, maybe there's some other guys. And, and once again, you see kind of these random tournament, tournaments popping up and, and being live streamed. But uh, especially with no Peach Jam and other things coming up, at least kind of getting some, some action to watch will be good. And what are the are the scheduled dates again for this tournament, Sherelle? When, when is it planned? To uh, it starts it's, it's allegedly starting July 9th. Okay, um, so July 9th. So yeah, so we'll see. But uh, as of as of yesterday, it was still on. All right, it's something for Carolina fans to um, keep an eye on. I mean, it's a great opportunity to to see some recruits finally after a long break um but guys let's go ahead and take a very quick commercial break uh just wanted to remind everyone that if you are listening to this podcast please rate subscribe uh leave us a comment if you like what we're doing if there's something that we can improve on please let us know as well especially if you're listening on itunes it really helps us out if you can give us a five-star rating if, if you feel that we've earned it uh, that gets us even more listeners helps broaden the inside carolina podcast audience greatly appreciate that if you're watching on youtube same thing. Please rate, comment, subscribe. Really just helps us out across all platforms. Um, and also, I already mentioned them about twice in this podcast already, but I'll mention them for the third time because they are just that good. Giant T-shirt at giantt-shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. Father's Day has come and went, but um, if you, for some reason, are still looking for anything for dad, brother, anyone in your life there, need some late gifts, Giant T-shirt has you covered especially with the athletic seasons, hopefully starting soon. Giant T-shirt is going to have all the the new stuff in. Um, They have online shopping as well at giantt-shirt.com where you can get 10% off of your orders if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina. You also get that 10% off if you shop at the store on Franklin Street where Giant T-shirt has been in business for decades. They are an absolute icon there on Franklin Street. And if you need someone to support during these tough times, like I said earlier, Giant T-Shirt is a local business. They would really appreciate it. They've been longtime friends of Inside Carolina and longtime friends to all of Carolina fans. So that's Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. All right, guys. So actually, you know what? I forgot almost. Let's take another quick commercial break for the national sponsors. So we'll be right back right after this. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. John Siegley here with Sean McMillan and Sean Moran. All right, so the next topic that I wanted to talk with you guys about was Christian Keeling uh, because a couple of Carolina fans noticed that he actually was playing in a live basketball tournament, which was a great thing to see. Um, I believe, Sean, you said it was called the TBT tournament, literally the basketball tournament. Um, I had not even heard of this thing before so give us a a little bit of background on the tbt and then just why it was something that that carolina fans might have have been interested in for christian keeling's sake yeah and um i didn't get much chance this weekend to watch it with fourth of july but there will be live basketball going forward for the next uh week or so with some you know pretty pretty talented teams and this has been going on since 2014 uh, the winning team gets $1 million that gets split up between uh, the players and, and coaches. And uh, I think last year an Ohio State team won it with a few, a few ringers. Um, the first year is Notre Dame. And then in between that, it's been all overseas teams. Um, but UNC really has never had much of a presence in there. Um, so yesterday, Christian Keeling was in and he was playing against Team CP3, uh, which had a bunch of players from the North Carolina area. And the team lost, but he w- he had 25 points, so leading score for the team and was just hitting shots from, from everywhere. So he was kind of continuing on where he was playing, you know, really the last half of the a- uh, ACC season. Um, the one thing, I, I mean, you, you notice when, when you're watching or even the highlights, he was hitting the, the, the jumpers, you know, a foot or two inside the three-point line with ease, but was also very comfortable from the three-point line. I think part of last year he wasn't as comfortable um you know getting getting over the rim on on his shots and this time it looked like he had a little more arc and he looked very comfortable um good spring in his step and and you know if he had gotten the ball a few more times at the end they might have uh won in advance but it was good to see him in in limited uh you know only one game and will be interesting to see where he ends up playing next year yeah, I mean, it's great exposure, and Christian did have a great game, like you mentioned, um, top score. I mean, Sherelle, with, with these types of tournaments, you know, it's really cool for the fans to be able to, to see guys that maybe will not be playing in the NBA, but will still have basketball career somewhere else. And, I mean, really, for, for Christian Keeling, the fact that he showed out like this, I mean, it's, you know, there's really no negative to it at all. Yeah, and right now when there's no tape, Christian Keeling has, you know, new tape out for coaches to watch. And, you know, obviously probably not the NBA or anything, but um, there's so many leagues around the world where you can make a great living and, and play 
pretty high level basketball. And I would imagine that, you know, Sean talked about the international presence with this tournament. I would imagine that there are a lot of coaches bored with nothing to do around the world watching the one live basketball game in the United States. Um, and Christian Keeling just had happened to have a great game. So it could be one of those things where just, you know, he had the opportunity. He played really well because I don't even know if this team I might be wrong. So if you listen to this, am I wrong? And I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I think this team wasn't even supposed to be in it, but another team had several players uh, test positive for COVID. And so they had to drop out of the tournament. And so Keeling was added to the team at the last minute or the team was added at the last minute. There was some confluence of events that allowed him to play and he took advantage of the opportunity. So you feel happy for him for that because he did have a tough season. You know, it started off, it started off okay and then got really rough there in the middle and then he kind of crescendoed out. But um, you hope that he just has a chance to keep playing basketball and, and earn a living doing it. Yeah. And for, I mean, there are a lot of Carolina fans. I mean, Viplas talked with um, Jawad Williams, I believe. And um, Jawad talked about how he has played abroad and how great of an experience it is. I mean, it's just really cool to, to see, all the Tar Heel players continue their careers and to do tournaments like this. And I, I really think that you saw in, in this TBT tournament probably what the ceiling for Christian Keeling is. And it's clearly a player who, like Sean said, can hit threes, um, who's comfortable just shooting inside the arc. And so, you know, I think a lot of Carolina fans are wishing Christian the best. And like I said, it was just really cool to see some live basketball Um and as Sherelle put it, to get some tape out there. So I guess then the next thing that we can talk about is something that Sean mentioned a little bit earlier when he talked about the fit. Um, I don't know if, if anyone listening to this podcast knows about that feature that's currently running on InsideCarolina.com. But Sean, why don't you give us just a real quick um, background on the fit? And then let's talk about the player that was the subject of that feature that just released a couple of days ago, I think on July the 1st. Sure. So currently we're going through all the players that have scholarship offers. So first the class of 2021 and then the class of 2022. And right now on the recru- recruiting board, they all have evaluations, but right now we're just going forward and, and looking at their background evaluation, but also trying to project how is UNC going to be from that specific position? And then how does that player actually fit, you know, or could they fit within the team? Um, so I think it's an interesting exercise. It kind of replaces if we were out at uh, Peach Jam or Top 100 would be doing articles on them anyway, in terms of what schools are they looking at, et cetera. And, you know, has allowed me to kind of go a little bit deeper into some of these players um, with their high school and, and back to some of their AAU tape. But um, the first two players we did were, were Kennedy Chandler and Patrick Baldwin. Um, I think in terms of the chances they end up at UNC is uh, debatable, but in terms of Hunter Salas, who went, we did on Wednesday, I think from a position standpoint, as well as a fit standpoint is, you know, you couldn't really ask for something better. Um, so for him, a combo guard, which I think we've, we've talked about, um, good size, good length. I think he's pretty underranked right now. Um, and I'm, I'm forgetting at the top of my head, but I think 24 seven has him in the, low teens or 20s and I, I think he could be a top 10 player um, and wouldn't be surprised to see him be a one and done uh, type one at that so after Kobe White realist well, Kobe White Caleb Love but you know potential one and done player um, and I think in, in terms of everything Sherelle has mentioned that he is very interested in UNC and UNC is very interested in him 
And I think a player comparison that we've talked about is DeJounte Murray, um, just due to his size and length. I think a 6'9", 6'9", wingspan, uh, not the greatest outside shooter. You know, DeJounte Murray shot 28, 29% from three at Washington in his one year. And I think Salas is a little better than that, a little more comfortable off the dribble, but somebody that, you know, is very comfortable with his versatility and can get to the rim for some highlight dunks. So I think as, as the fit goes um, tomorrow, Harrison Ingram, or well, I guess when this comes out, Harrison Ingram will be, will be out, but I think is another good fit, but I think it's going to be hard to top Salas in that, in that regard. Yeah, Salas, according to the, the article here, is actually the number 19 ranked player, Sean. So you're right. You got it's, been, the, it's been a few days since I did the article, so I couldn't remember exactly. That's all right. You got either way, I think he, he, he's a top 10 guy. That's very high praise. I mean, Sherelle, you've been following uh, Salas' recruitment for a while now. And, I mean, I think one of the bigger things is, is like Sean said, if – Carolina were to land him they would be getting someone that would fit right into how coach Williams wants to structure the team for his season and moving forward so I mean hearing about you know all the stats and everything that that Sean put into into the article and again that's on insidecarolina.com premium basketball message board please go read that and you can get all that awesome information but just in terms of the recruiting class rel I mean, if you had to maybe pick one guy that you think Carolina could land, would you put Salas like probably towards the the top of your list there? I I think so. And, you know, a lot of this is still TBD because we don't know how the pandemic is going to affect how players, you know, think about staying closer to home or or going elsewhere. So um, Salas is from Nebraska. Um, Again, it's 6'4" depending upon who you ask, 6'5", guard, you know, depending on it was 7 o'clock or 7 p.m. or 7 a.m. Um, but, you know, he's around that height from Nebraska, the highest rated player out of Nebraska ever. Um, and we're pretty sure, I haven't been able to confirm, but we're pretty sure he's the first player from Nebraska to have a UNC basketball offer. So um, he will be a part of some trivia moving forward for Carolina offers and that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think they have a good shot with him. It just, uh, you know, a lot of it depends on – whether or not he's able to take official visits, um, when the recruiting period opens up, um, you know, just those type of things. Because he's taken visits, I believe, to Gonzaga and to Nebraska. Those were kind of his two trips. In addition to that, um, Creighton is up there because they're a hometown school. <clears throat> and then Kansas is not far away either. So that's – Kansas is the closest blue blood. Um, it's the blue blood that's, that's also offered him. He doesn't have Kentucky or Duke. Um, offers I would say just yet Uh, but that's kind of the two highest profile programs that have offered him in Carolina and Kansas so uh, I would think those schools uh, above the rest uh, Creighton uh, hometown Nebraska Kansas Gonzaga and Carolina are the ones who kind of will ultimately be his destination one of those five Um, or yeah sorry go ahead or the G League Or, or the G League yeah I mean you know that's that is always an option too especially if they start adding more teams, you know, to the select, adding more select teams than they have now. Um, all that to say, yeah, I think Salas is a great fit. Um, I'll give this away from Sean's story, the fit, you know, just having him beside RJ Davis, because we haven't mentioned RJ Davis yet in this podcast. How dare us. <laughs> we, we are contractually obligated to, to, um, 
to mention him, but that way he would be such a great fit beside him. And they would really, really be able to push tempo with those two um, starting in the backcourt. I, I think that'd be a tremendous fit. And then uh, defensively, I think he has a, a ton of potential as well that he can tap into. And, and with any high school player, it's just a matter of focus and really um, just know how when it comes to defense, just focus and, and really, um, um, trying to do it. And, and I think sometimes at a high school level, especially when you're someone as gifted as him, you know, scoring is what you do. And so your coach may say, Hey, we need you to score. So just still play hard, but just don't play your hardest on defense. And, you know, in college it's different. So, um, I, I look forward to seeing his defensive potential no matter where he goes. I think I saw both of y'all's eyes just light up when you mentioned Salas and, and RJ Davis playing together. Um, Sean, would that be just a, a fit, a match made in heaven there? Uh, it would. And I think one of the things in terms of Chandler, you know, taking out, you know, the per- percentages he chooses UNC, you know, Chandler Davis, you have a pretty small backcourt. It would be, you know, quick as can be on offense, but defensively could probably be taken advantage of you know, Salas Davis, you have both guards that can dribble the ball, but defensively you have, you, you have Salas that could probably, you know, help out or, um, you know, add that. But I, I think, yeah, the two of them would be, you know, that, that's kind of my, my dream backcourt for that, that year. Well, let's not get Tar Heel fans hopes up too high though. I mean, there, it's like Sherelle said, there's a long time to go here. Um, but at least it's definite that there's some mutual interest there between Salas and UNC. So we're just going to have to see how that develops. So to wrap up the, the podcast, though, guys, I wanted to do something real quick. This is kind of unscripted here, but it was an idea that I had for the last podcast that uh, we unfortunately had, had to scrap just due to the timing. But um, a all-time Tar Heel great, Vince Carter, retired from the NBA a little bit over, I think it may be about two weeks ago now. Um, but, I mean, just an incredible career every Tar Heel fan loves Vince. So I thought it'd be pretty cool just to go around and give just your favorite memory of Vince Carter. It may be the first time that you saw him. doesn't necessarily have to be a UNC memory, but uh, just to kind of give Vince a little icy shout out here, I thought we'd, we'd just go around the room. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do any, mini money, mo and Sean, you're going first. Um, sure. So, I mean, I think there's a few things that, that pop out. One is the, the dunk contest in the NBA that he won. I mean, I think he's been playing, you know, played for so long. You kind of, you know, had recently, obviously, older, you know, turned into more of a three-point shooter. But with just how crazy athletic he was and how smooth he was, um, I think he took a lot of criticism for, you know, people not talking about how he didn't always play hard. But you know, I think that was due to just how smooth he was, which is, which is rare given his size, athleticism, and shooting ability. Um, I think from a, a UNC perspective, you always go to the, that, the Miss Dunk in the, in the Dean Dome. And I remember, I think I was in middle school watching that. And um, I mean, just the power that, that you saw from that, even though it didn't go in, um, you know, it was pretty amazing. And then another thing that always pops in my mind, you know, for him coming in, he was the high, you know, more highly touted player over, over Jameson, but it was Jameson who had the more productive freshman year. And I remember, I think it was the first ever edition of ESPN magazine. I remember picking it up in the um, uh, bookstore and looking, you know, flipping through it and seeing a, a Jameson Carter photo from them being on, on the UNC campus and just kind of talking about, 
how the rules had reversed. But then a few years later, um, you know, they went back to back, I think, in the NBA draft and both had long and lucrative careers. So a lot of memories and it's kind of crazy how long he played, but just a testament to how he adapted, um, you know, in the NBA and how he maintained himself. All right. Well, what about you, man? So the first thing that comes to my head, honestly, when you say that, I mean, if, if there had been like video and NBC wasn't hoarding it for themselves, it would have been the dunk over Frederick Weiss in the Olympics. But because there wasn't video, you had to like illegally download it back in the day. Um, I go to the dunk he had when he was with the Nets over Alonzo Mourning. So Ian Eagle, Jen Spernarkle on the call, you know, he gets the ball in the corner, goes behind his back and just like if, if you're listening to this, he just cocks it over his head and just eliminates Alonzo Mourning. And to me, it was like the perfect Vince Carter moment because he was excited when it happened, but he wasn't too excited. And you're like, you should be more excited. You just like destroyed Alonzo Mourning's career. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, just one, just an incredible dunk. One of the, the, the top 10 facials like ever in the history of like basketball. Um, so I think of that one. And then um, just a personal moment, like I think of the Wake Forest game at Carolina where he kind of dunked on Tim Duncan um, and he caught a reverse alley-oop, I think it was. Um, my brother went to Carolina, full disclosure. So I was visiting him, um, you know, for that weekend and he took me to the game. Um, he took me to a lot of games, but I remember that one just because we were so excited to see Vince Carter because you just never knew what the guy was going to do. And I think that was his sophomore year so he was just really kind of emerging because he, he struggled for most of his freshman year and then kind of the light bulb went off at some point during his sophomore season um so he was really starting to become vince carter at that point and so we got to see it and it was just you know the building was crazy the energy was crazy um so i remember those probably two moments above anything else i mean i think you know one thing to add is just you know if, if vince had come up now you know where he's a top five guy oh, yeah. you know he's going one and done and yeah how long does it take him to develop versus having, you know, having some time to grow. And, and when he did go, he was ready to play right off the bat. Um, versus now, you know, if you're not, you know, excelling right at the beginning, you're a bust and you're still going pro and you're sitting on the bench. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of fascinating just to, to think the what ifs. And, and obviously for him, you know, he had the patience and, and did it and then turned it into a long, long career. But when he went, he was ready. Yeah, we, we, we talked to – we ran an IC story about his recruitment. Um, we talked to his high school coach about that, and his high school coach was like, yeah, we knew Carolina was the right fit when he wasn't playing a lot as a freshman because he wasn't doing the things that he needed to do. So to them, that was vindication that they made the right decision because, you know, he came down really to Florida State and Carolina with Michigan and, and Duke and Florida in there as well, but really it was Florida State and Carolina. So um, I always thought that was interesting that he – embraced uh, you know eventually I don't think he embraced it as a freshman but he embraced the idea that you know sitting and learning you know paid off and you know he was able to stay in the NBA probably because of that for you know 20 years yeah I mean my my memories are number one the missed dunk number two dunking over a seven foot French guy and then the third thing just on the personal level Vince and that team in 98 that was actually the first game that I ever witnessed live um, the first Carolina basketball game because I lived in the mountains of North Carolina and it was a long trek bet between there and Chapel Hill and my parents just could not afford to make that, that trip very often. So we actually went to Atlanta because it was only a couple hours away and watched them beat the crap out of a pretty decent uh, Yellow Jackets team, I think, in 98. Um, but I just, 
watching th- that team play, that's that's still the ultimate, I think, Carolina fans. I mean, the the Kendall Marshall team is probably a what if if that if they had, had stayed healthy, but that ninety eight team, I mean, God, they, they should have won the championship. It it still hurts. even to this day um let's wrap it up with this and this is going to be a quick yes or no question for you guys will unc ever have another player like vince carter do you think that his anyone (laughs) like him will ever come through the high school college ranks again um sure i started i started with sean last time so you're up first for this one no all right i I agree with that sean what, what about you uh i would say no would agree with with you because if there is he'll be not going to college. Yeah, he and that's, a, that's it's so different now. Like he just, yeah. you know, even and even if he did go to college, you know, if he didn't play immediately, he would just like leave and go work out until it was time to go to the NBA. Like the world is just so much different than it was when when Coach Smith recruited, you know, Vince to, to Carolina. Just so much different. Yeah, I just think just that combination of skill, athleticism. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to see someone with those talents um, come through just any college for a while um vince was unique and i mean his nba career it speaks for itself guy's a legend so we'll go ahead and wrap up the podcast with that though really appreciate both of y'all taking the time to speak with me Sherelle, you and i will sit here in north carolina enjoy these people shooting off fireworks still even though it's july 5th and sean can enjoy the rest of his day in sunny cali Uh, we got people shooting off fireworks here too so don't get me started don't get me started all right you guys have a good one all right thanks thanks for listening to another podcast from insidecarolina.com brought to you by johnny t-shirt.com where to go for your next tar heel gear purchase